This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. This is On Driven, Joy 94.9's multicultural show with Mark and Hugh. On Driven represents peace and understanding in a multicultural GLBTIQ community. If you have any comments on the program or would like to ask any questions, you can contact us in the following ways. On Driven, on Joy 949, SMS 0427 Joy 949, email on air at joy.org.au. And the first one I gave you on Driven, on Joy 949, is actually Facebook. In today's show, we're talking to Ryan, who's originally from Taiwan, but lived in South Africa before coming to Australia. We'll be talking to Ryan about his early life in South Africa, his travels around the world, and his work as a student advocate and volunteer. Joy 94.9, this is On Driven with Mark and Hugh. And our guest today is Ryan, who originally comes from Taiwan. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you for having me today. You're welcome. Now, let's start the show by um, just tell the listener exactly where in Taiwan do you come from. Sure. Um, I was born in Taipei City. Um, so everyone pretty much knows where that is, the capital of Taiwan. Um, I... Um, I was born there, obviously, and um, I left Taiwan when I was about eight years old. Okay. So, um, how many is in your family? Um, I've, um, I've got an older brother, um, and obviously mom and dad, and that's about it. It's a quite a small family. Why did your parents come here in the first place? Um, they did not, actually. Um, my, I actually... Um, left Taiwan when I was eight to go to um, Johannesburg um, and then later um, I then migrated here myself at the age of about oh, 17. Okay. So your whole family went to South Africa? Um, they, they came and, uh, and went but um, they, they're currently in Taiwan. Okay. So Sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit complicated. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. So what, what do you remember of Taiwan as a child? Um, I remember good food. Um, <laughs> I remember a lot of deep fried food. Um, I, um, I think one of the, the, the earliest memory I have of Taiwan was when the Tiananmen Square uh, incident was on and that clearly... Um, um, you know, made a lot of impressions. Um, um, it's a um, 
sort of a, a kid. Um, I remember there was a lot of um, tension between Taiwan and China at the time. Um, I also remembered um, um, a few sort of um, um, sort of we, we had to practice rates as well when I was a kid and, and I think that there was a that, had to that, practice rates uh, bomb rates so we, oh, we had okay. to you know um, sort of um, hide under desks and that, that, that sort of thing and, and the you know the alarms would go off and that sort of thing and and that, that, that was my memory of Taiwan I, I think even as a kid I was quite aware of the, the political uh, situation mm. Taiwan was in and for, for some of our listeners who may not know about mm. that what what is the political issue um uh, 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 for those that, that don't um, or, or don't know about Taiwan, uh, basically um, the, the 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 National Party of uh, Taiwan uh, went from China to Taiwan in the forties, uh, and since then have uh, ran Taiwan um, a, a, as a sort of a democratic. Uh, um, country, uh, obviously, China's uh, view about Taiwan is still that um, Taiwan is part of China, and that um, even though there's two uh, systems, it, it's still one nation. So, so obviously, the the, the tension has always been that Taiwan uh, somewhat wants uh, to be independent or operate as an independent nation, uh, while China still thinks that um, Taiwan is pretty much part of China. So is that similar to the way sort of Hong Kong is in that it's um, a separate region but it's still Chinese? Um, no, in in that Taiwan, uh, unlike Hong Kong, which is a special administrative region, Taiwan is quite independent. Mm -hmm. In in that you know, um, uh, there, there's no um, direct influence from China. Yeah, and um, with it, it, when you're a child, the tensions were quite serious there. So there was. The reason you had need to have uh, sort of bomb raids te training, and that was that they thought that China were going to invade Taiwan. Is that, 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 that that's right? Um, and, and I think it, it got to a stage where my parents were um, maybe slightly fearful, but also uh, it it wasn't a, a sort of situation that they can see their children growing up in. So um, quite early on, I remember. Um, even as a kid, my parents sent me to you know English language schools to make sure that I was able to communicate in a foreign language. Should I need to leave the country, um, and um, you know, and, and my parents started making arrangements quite early on to ensure that we do have somewhere to go to in case anything did happen. So, as a child, that must have been quite a scary thing to sort of know all of this is going on? I think I was very oblivious to <laughs> and, and, a, and a quite an ignorant and naive uh, child. Um, you know, I, I played in a street that, that it never came across my mind that I would physically uh, get hurt. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think the first time I saw that, you know, that something serious might happen or, or, or maybe, um, you, you know, um, um, people with different political beliefs might... Um, uh, might be harmful was uh, when I saw what happened um, on on TV, at, um, uh, you know, in relation to the Tiananmen Square incident. How did that affect you, personally? Um, I, I I think there was a a, a lot of. Um, you know, I don't like to use the word propaganda, but obviously the Taiwanese government capitalized 
on the incident mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. by you know um sending messages out to to citizens and and Taiwanese nationals about you know the, this horrible um regime called the communist um mm-hmm. china um so obviously for me i that made me uh, sort of quite patriotic to taiwan and i develop quite a strong sort of connection uh, with, with the country. Okay. This is On Driven on Joy 94.9. We'll come back to Ryan's story very soon. Joy 94.9. This is On Driven with Mark and Hugh. And our guest today is Ryan, who originally comes from Taiwan. Ryan, before we go on with your story, let's talk about the music we played. The first track was... Don't be too embarrassed. <laughs> uh, um, I'm just quite embarrassed that um, you know people would judge me by the music choices. But I think the first track was Kylie. I, I think I discovered Kylie when I first arrived in Australia. And then uh, I think we'll talk more about Australia later on. But that's when I think um, I... That's, I guess, the start of my gay life is, you know, Kylie. Um, So I've always had sort of a a soft spot for Kylie. Um, The second track, I think Mark would know why the the second track was picked. Uh, When when he invited me onto the show, he said, oh, you know, pick um, some music that you can uh, play. But I, I think I don't relay relate music with my life. So I was quite... um, um, you know, you were struggling. I was struggling. That, that that's so, it. So you found a friend, basically, didn't you? <laughs> that that's right. I used one of my lifelines, <laughs> <laughs> and um and that happened to um um the the, the reply was that you know do Coldplay uh, Paradise. Paradise. That's yeah. right. And and I think it ties um up with you know being Australia and that. To, to me, Melbourne is my paradise. I guess. Oh, very nice. It is, it is a really nice city. So it yeah. is. It, yeah. It's yeah. Okay, now, so, so we're going to use the, another song, a, a very short song, just to get into sort of the next segment of South Africa. Mm. So we'll play this and then we'll come back. But that was actually three guys. <laughs> it looked like they were standing outside. <laughs> That's right. On the it was cover. quite difficult to to find. Um, um, uh, a good track for that song but um, w- the reason why I picked this song was um, when I left Taiwan at the age of 8 to go to Johannesburg um, th- this was one of the first um, songs that were taught to me in a language other than English so um, so this language was African? Z- Zulu Zulu I-, I believe so okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um and it was for for a school play that we had to do as a kid, and and one of the the, the themes of the school play was to you know um, you know cultural diversity and and around the world, and so our class decided that we would do something that's um, South African, something that's local. So um, to to me, that was one of the first songs that I learned or you know got to know when I got there. Okay. Did you have to learn the language? No, no. Um, when I arrived there, um, the, the, obviously English was the, uh, the the language of instruction. So we all studied uh, English at school. Uh, but then locals would study Afrikaans or, um, you know, if you were from a different culture, you obviously could study that language. Uh, Zulu was taught uh, in primary school as well, but it wasn't taught in a serious way, but rather as a sort of a cultural study. Um, lesson Mm. so with you uh, moving to South Africa as a a Taiwanese person moving to South Africa was that an unusual thing to happen Um, 
there there were quite a lot of Taiwanese migrants, obviously, because um, South Africa was one of those countries where you know during the apartheid um, years they didn't have a lot of political ties with other countries, and Taiwan uh, had a strong sort of financial and political ties. So a lot of Taiwanese went there, but on. Uh, in, in South Africa itself, um, for example, the primary school that I went to, uh, my brother and I were the only non-white uh, kids at school. Mm-hmm. So l- let me just ask a question here. Even though you're from an Asian background, you were accepted in the white society in South Africa? Um, well, accepted, maybe, but um, I think... At the time, um, I do, I didn't think of it that way. It, it was more uh, about me living in a foreign country. Obviously, um, you know, when we tried to uh, buy a house in um, a, a all-white area, we had to apply for permits and permissions from our neighbors and, and so on. Um, and you know, in, in terms of going to school, um, there, there were no restrictions for Taiwanese migrants because you know they were sort of the honorary white people. Um, so so. In terms of that restriction, there weren't. It, it was more um, the the difficulty for me was more sort of interacting with other um, school kids, um, and, and you know. What um, was their reaction to you? Being, I mean, you said you're the only mm, Asian kids in mm, the school. Were they a little bit funny towards you, or did they accept you just openly? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a strong believer that racism is something that's learned and taught. It's not something that comes naturally. Um, mm. I remember that um, when, as a kid, there was a, a lesson in, in class. Well, one of the kids asked something about, you know, people from different countries. And I, I think the teacher at the time said something like, oh, for example, uh, Ryan is from a different place and he's actually yellow, not white. I think that was the first time that others, you know, school kids or, or other classmates sort of, had to question and then wonder, well, what, what do you mean he's not Suddenly white? Suddenly you were different. That, that, that's right. And, and it was made quite obvious that I was quite different because, you know, they, they didn't think that I was different because, you know, I interacted with them, I played with them. And you obviously had to be white in order to come to the school. So they were quite confused, I, I think. And, and, I th- and the teacher didn't think twice about pointing this out. No, she thought she was doing the, the students a favor by pointing out the fact that there was a lot of you know different cultures and and you know Ryan just was happened to be yeah that, that, that's right so so um I, I don't think she she had the intention of you know of doing any harm but rather she was trying to point out something and and I think that that was the first time where I sort of seriously thought to myself maybe there's something different about me. Uh, Prior to that, I just thought, you know, we were all kids. And, and even in Taiwan, there wasn't a sort of a cultural shock for me going from Taiwan to South Africa. It was sort of, you know, I was just changing schools almost. And that yeah. was the adjustment I had to make. Okay. This is Andriven on Joy 94.9. And we'll come back to Ryan's story very soon. Melbourne's most lovable station is now giving you more reasons to listen. Joy 94.9. Our intrepid on Joy 94.9 with Mark and Hugh, and today we're talking to Ryan. Uh, Ryan, just tell us a bit about that track. <laughs> I'm so speechless. Um, I was told that uh, since Adele is about to be 
Delta Goodrum on the charts for you know having the longest period of, of you know number one album, yeah. um, that it will be safe to play her or okay. anything related to her or mix. It will be popular. So you thought you'd do be. a Glee version just to make sure it was that little bit extra gay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now Ryan, we were talking about South Africa um, before the break. Um, why exactly did your parents pick South Africa? Um, I. At the time, there were several options floating, and one was obviously Canada, and the other one was South Africa. But um, my parents also wanted to uh, be able to um, send me to a, a sort of a, a foster home or s- with a guardian to look after me, because obviously they had to still stay in Taiwan to work. So the most viable option was South Africa, and they they, they found uh, a, a family that was from South Africa that was able to look after my brother and I. So. I think that was what um, and how old were you both then um, I was 8 and my brother was 10 so as an 8 year old and even as a 10 year old Hmm. didn't you find it a bit overwhelming getting sent to another country um, I thought I was going on an extended holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I I think it only started hitting me, um, you, you, you know, after about six or seven months that, you know, um, that I started getting yeah, homesick. Home. This holiday is going a bit long. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I've got to know everyone in my class and really it's, it's not games and fun all the time. So I, I think it started to get a little bit difficult and it's, it's not dissimilar to you know what most international students or, or, or migrants you know mm. have to encounter in a transition period uh, but I think the, the, the difference was that um, the, the guardians or the foster uh, parents that I had they were very supportive uh, they knew what they were doing and understood you know um, what was required of them so they put a lot of plans in place to ensure that I was comfortable what nationality were they? Uh, the 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 foster mom was uh, South African and the foster dad was uh, uh, from Brazil, so wow. he was a Brazilian. So how did your parents find these foster parents? Um, I think it was through some network that dad had um, at um, work. So um, he at the time worked for uh, Fushu Federation that um, did a lot of uh, cross-cultural um, uh, networking with um, martial arts in Taiwan. So he was promoting uh, martial arts, and obviously he came across um, a, a few people he um, you know got to know that were mm. from South Africa. How good was your English when you first went to South Africa? Uh, just as shocking as it is now, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. So um, I I I think. It, initially it was quite difficult for me to understand why people needed to speak a different language when I first arrived in in Johannesburg and um, I I kind of wanted to to talk to them in Chinese and and I got really confused why they they couldn't understand me but um, you you know my my English was okay I I could get by by asking really simple things Mm. yeah but it it must have got a little bit tiring for you having to continually learn English just to get communicate with the people you were living with Mm. um I think when you when you're quite young you learn quite quickly so to me it wasn't a, a frustration as you know if, if I had to do this as an ad I'll find it quite frustrated at the time it, I didn't see it that way I think kids are quite resilient mm. and um, instead of seeing it as a roadblock or something to be frustrated about I just sort of you know 
thought that was the rule of the game. You just have to play the game and mm. to to get what you want. Okay. So you you were in South Africa for a while. So, and as we touched on earlier during sort of the apartheid mm. period, um, you were also there when the apartheid sort mm. of period sort of mm. finished. So, how was that to experience? Mm. Well, it 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 was quite. Um, I think deep inside uh, when you grow up in a country like South Africa you know what's right and what's wrong I think instinctively everyone knows and I think I was quite happy that we've came out of an uh, apartheid and to put things in perspective when I was growing up in Johannesburg we were taught that you know everyone had their place so we obviously had um, maids that were black you know we had gardeners that were black and we had um, you know people that that, that, that worked they were um, black and you were taught you know you had your position and, and you were obviously you know living in this house you don't play with the black kids um, you um, can talk to them but you know you don't have extended conversations with them you're not there to make friends they clean the house and they leave um, if you need their services you call them and, and you know there, there was a place for everything you know so mm-hmm. you, we knew I knew what my position was and I need to live with that. And I think when I started growing a, a bit older, and, and I think I was about 16 or 17 when, when the apartheid was coming to an end, and I was in um, high school when, you know, all this was happening, and, and our teachers, you know, taught us, you know, um, what it meant to, you know, go into democracy, what it meant to, you know, elect a president, what it meant to have this constitutional change. And, and, and I think for me, um, I was sort of happy because, um, you know, even though I was treated pretty much like a, a white uh, citizen, there, there were a few incidents when I was a kid where I did feel that, you know, I was very different and I wasn't quite the same and, and I felt that there's something that really needed to be rectified and, and I was glad that you know uh, the apartheid came to an end mm-hmm. So how long were you actually in South Africa for? Uh, between the age of 8 till when I was about 17. So that's a long time did you sort of grow apart from your parents a little bit during that time? Um, yes, um, it, it was difficult for me to maintain a relationship uh, with my parents and mostly because I started to um, grow quite culturally quite different at, you know, mm-hmm. um, quite a critical age where, you know, I was making friends, I was making life decisions and, and none of those were, were what my parents would have thought that, you know, or what they wanted. Um, obviously, I had my friends and, you know, we, you know, did things a certain way and we were quite westernized. So I, I think... Um, culturally I drifted apart from them as well and and that has caused a lot of difficulties has your parents acknowledged that that sending you away at at eight year old Mm. um, was maybe the wrong thing to do Um, I I think to in order for them to acknowledge it 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 might it might require them to to you know reflect upon it and and I think it's just something that it's not spoken about it's more like okay we, we did what we thought was the right thing to send you to a foreign country um, there were you know all this tension in Taiwan and and we wanted you to to have a better you know start in life so mm. I, I guess that that what they thought mm. was right so mm. t- to me I understood you know why they did what they had to do and I 
sort of never really had to question it or to confront them about it. Yeah, okay. That, that would have been a, bad, uh, a hard decision for them to make, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And, and yeah, you, I, could, I can tell even to this day that, you know, my parents, when, when we do talk about South Africa, they, they tend to be quite quiet. So I know that, you know, deep inside they weren't all that happy. Yeah. <laughs> this is on Driven on Joy 94.9, and we'll come back to Ryan's story very soon. Joy 94.9, this is On Driven with Mark and Hugh. And our guest today is Ryan, who originally comes from Taiwan. But recently we've been talking about his uh, time when he lived in South Africa. Um, but before we move on with your story, Ryan, <laughs> tell us who the last track was from. <laughs> Lady Gaga, obviously. Um, I was recently told that... Um, in I'm from the Madonna era, <laughs> not not even Kylie, but Madonna era. So I just want to set the record straight that I do listen to Lady Gaga, and I am maybe Lady Gaga era as well. So. Okay, didn't really sound like her. I don't think so anyway. But I don't really know Lady Gaga either. <laughs> it's a good remix. <laughs> Is it? Uh, it's not a bad song. You were, you were tapping away your feet, weren't you? So. I know it's annoying, Mark. Today he, he keeps telling me to stop tapping my feet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ryan. So anyway, back back to the story, Ryan. So um, let's get let's get down to your, your gay era mm. sort of thing. So uh, when did you first realize that there was something different about you? Mm. I, I think I always knew there was something different about me, um, and y- you know, uh, when especially when I was growing up, you know, I didn't do the things that boys did. You know, I wasn't really into sports, even though quite weirdly that I'm actually into sports now but you know when I was growing up I always wanted to do the different things you know I I wanted to learn how to cook I wanted to you know um, watch the TV and 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 do th- you know watch shows that the girls in the and family were pretty Madonna much well. and listen to Madonna as well um, <laughs> <laughs> boy George and all that but but um, I think I was my worst enemy that even though I always knew it was quite difficult for me to tell people they are somehow different and you know when I was growing up in, in South Africa there weren't a lot of information about you know what it meant to be gay you know uh, they didn't talk about it at school with us so I was you know, somehow conf- somewhat confused about, you know, what sort of label that, you know, that I required. But um, uh, the, the first person that I came out to or, or, you know, really talked to about my sexuality was my brother. And he was only two years older. And uh, I think I was, you know, maybe 12 or 13. I, I said to him, you know, um, it, I, I don't really like girls, you know, I... I, I like boys you know and and i don't actually find girls as attractive as you do so you know his reaction was oh maybe just haven't found the right one or yeah the the ones you hang out are you know with are pretty much ugly but (laughs) that that, that wasn't the case i reassure you i I hang out with very beautiful people but it 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 really was that um you know I, i just wasn't attracted and there was no justification that was required or, or any further explanation and he sort of understood and, and he since then accepted me for who I I am and and that goes the same with, with the guardians and, and and the foster parents I didn't have to you know have that conversation with them where you know you know say to them you know I'm actually gay um, it was you know pretty much they they knew and you know over time you know they they um, they were quite sensitive to you know uh, my request to do different things or or um, to hang out with different people. So um, 
and, and I there, there wasn't a lot of things that that you know identified me as gay until I I came to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the people you stayed with, they were really your parents, weren't mm, they? Mm, you know, mm. did did you have to think about it before you told them, or did you just go up to them and say, "By the way"? Um, I I, I remember that you know um, ha- ha- having this. It, it wasn't a conversation about sexuality, but about my behavior that I like to do things that perhaps you know, or or, or hang out with the girls in in, in mm. the family, and and that conversation was more along the lines that you know it, it's pretty much okay if that's how you feel about yourself. So mm. so I think they were quite knowledgeable about what was happening. Did you find it easier because they were your guardians rather than your parents? Absolutely. I, I don't think I felt that. I had to uh, live up to a certain standard or, or be a per- certain person for them because mm. you know to to them um, um, I, I was you know someone that they looked after in, in the professional sense as well so yeah. so th- there was never that you know barrier for me it was quite an easy transition and and I think for a, a lot of um, young people out there is that you know sometimes uh, we we think we, we are our worst enemies and we tend to overthink things um, mm. and it, it and you know up up until these days I never had to actually come out to people even at work or or even with my friends you know it's pretty much who I am and you know if, if the conversation happens so so be it but um, you know I, I I wasn't you know ruled by my sexuality or I you know I had to go around with this text saying that mm. I, I'm gay so did you date any any people in when you were in South Africa? Um what was that a, a question about when I lost my virginity? No, no. <laughs> I was, I, I, that's why you <laughs> I was very naive. Um I I hung out with a, a few guys that I enjoyed the company. Oh, their, their company and and you know it didn't really lead to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, until I, I came to Australia. Sure, yeah. So when did you come to Australia? Uh, towards the end, uh, uh, just, you know, uh, I was still 17 and about to turn 18. And I, I, I came here. Initially, I thought I would come here for, for uh, sort of a, you know, overseas working holiday. Maybe I'll study for a while, see how I go. Um, South Africa by then had, had become an, uh, quite difficult for me because um, the education system wasn't, you know, to, to, to my liking. And, um, and and I felt quite frustrated that there wasn't a lot of things for me to do there. And, you know, I felt I was trapped inside um, basically sort of a, a jail. So, so coming to Australia was quite a, a relief. I felt quite liberated. Mm. Um and just to take a chip shot, you know, when I came, um, Kim Beasley was the opposition leader and John Howard was the prime minister. And I thought, you know, if these people can become a political leader, surely I can make it in this country. So, um, so, so, um, so when I came here, you know, I, I after six months, I, I did my VC here and then I, I, you know, that led to diploma and since then I've, I've uh, stayed here mm. um, what did your parents think about when you said I'm moving to Australia uh, they were quite encouraging um, they knew that I um, I wanted something different um, um, and they knew how I felt about uh, South Africa it, it, at that stage Johannesburg was not a very safe place to mm-hmm. live in um, and obviously um, I I 
express my feelings about you know um, trying to get a better education and and you know and 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 they certainly understood that because you know that the whole purpose of going to uh, South Africa was for me to to get a better life and and you know to to get somewhere in life and and coming to Australia was no different um, it was me finding my own place what about your brother did he stay in South Africa or um, he came here for uh, a, a few years obviously um, he always was quite homesick um, in, in terms of um, Taiwan in relations to Taiwan so he went back to Taiwan shortly after so um, he you know until the stage still has quite a lot of sort of cultural um, sort of ties with Taiwan he still identifies himself as a Taiwanese and, and he does a lot of you know Taiwanese you know cultural things and mm. and, and, and I think he never quite got over um, you, you know the, he never quite transitioned in in to that you know Western culture when he went to right, uh, South right. Africa so he was the opposite from you really he, he was um, and, and he was also very introverted so I think um, he find that it was easier for him to to cope um, in sort of an Asian culture so how did your parents react when he wanted to go back to Taiwan um, <laughs> I, I think they were quite happy that um, you know that they've got uh, that, that they're getting their son back I, I guess and um, y- you know um, by then my parents were starting to get a bit older and um, you know they, they, they felt that it was good to have a, a kid back home so yeah Cool. So uh, you moved to Australia. Was that to Melbourne, or is that where you've always lived? That, that's correct. Um, I, I did see Sydney for a little bit, but it just wasn't my thing. Um, it was back then. Sydney was quite, and, and this was like twelve or thirteen years ago. Now, <laughs> now you just realised your age. Yeah. That, that's right. So um, you've already done that when you said about Beasley and how. <laughs> <laughs> and and. Uh, Sydney wasn't the place for me because I, I wanted something that was a bit different, a bit more arty, a bit smaller, and 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 the, 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 there was quite a lot of different interactions between. Um, you know, when I came to Melbourne, people interacted with me quite differently to compared to Sydney. So I felt that Melbourne was the place for me. And I think when you do your travels, sometimes you you sort of just get that gut feeling that mm. this is the right place to be. Yeah, and and I've sort of stayed here ever since. Okay. This is On Driven on Joy 94.9 and we'll come back to Rain's story very soon. Listen to us right around the nation. Joy 94.9. Our intro on Joy 94.9 with Mark and Hugh, and we're talking to Ryan. Um, so, Ryan, tell us about that track. Um, obviously, it's by uh, Vanessa Marossi. It's called uh, Shine. I think that song was quite important for me because when I came to Australia, it was on radio everywhere, and it's sort of, um, to me, um, after living in Australia for a few months I thought you know this really is my place to shine and since then I've sort of taken on that opportunity and one thing that I am quite grateful um, to Australia is that um, it it is a place of opportunity allows people to um, you know um, experience expand on their horizons and, and be who they are mm-hmm. and, and I think because of that feeling and that sort of um, you know that, that I feel that I have towards Australia um, the way that I conduct myself in, in the community is pretty much uh, sort of um, uh, based on that mm-hmm. so 
you've been in Australia now for nearly what, 12 years or mm, so. So mm. where, where are you at now with you, in your life? Right, okay. So right now I work for university as an um, academic advisor. Um, I, I advise students, especially um, international students, about issues that they may encounter. You know, uh, a lot of the issues are uh, transitional issues that they encounter when they come here to Australia. Um, you know, a lot of... Um, issues about you know uh, being homesick about how to study in a different environment and so on um, currently I'm also um, the, the branch secretary of the National Tertiary Education Union I do a lot of um, uh, obviously it's all uh, this is a sort of a free unpaid position and mm -hmm. and you know since I've arrived in Australia I've you know learned a lot about you know fair uh, and equality and, and they've come across as my you know, principle about fighting for people to ensure that everyone's paid equally um, and that people should have the right to feel safe and secure in their jobs um, and obviously because of that sort of principle and, and you know that you know, indebtedness that I feel towards Australia I'm also a, a volunteer solicitor solicitor for community uh, legal service so I, I feel that because Australia has, ha, have given me so much um, it's only right that I return some of that favour um, and, and you know it's also about trying to participate in the community and, and you know when, when I left um, South Africa it, it was a place that I didn't uh, feel like I would enjoy living and when I came to Australia I really um, enjoyed and I really loved Melbourne and therefore um, I feel that I need to contribute back somehow and, and make it, uh, it a place that I want to see myself living mm -hmm. in. So do you sort of see yourself as Aussie, Taiwanese, South African. Perhaps you, you do have a bit of uh, South African accent. So. I have a very confused accent. I, <laughs> I can, I, I'm never quite sure what I am, you know. Um, but I, I identify myself as an Australian. Uh, and that's because, you know, culturally I, I'm Australian and I contribute uh, back to the community like any other Australian. So I, I feel that I, I'm an Australian now. That's good. Okay. So... Um, no thoughts about going back to Taiwan anytime? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are much cuter here in Melbourne as well. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's true, isn't it? Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have come to the end of the show, Ryan, but thank you very much for coming in and talking to us today. Um, thank you. That is on Driven for another week. Our thanks to Ryan for taking time out to come into the studio and have a, a very nice chat with us. Coming up next on Joy is Sharp Power Show, so stay tuned for another great show coming up. Thanks for joining us on Undriven today. Undriven will be back again at the same time, 4 o'clock next Saturday afternoon, with more insights into our GLBTIQ community here in Australia and, of course, around the world from Mark and myself. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.